The Hall of Fame Classic in Kansas City celebrates the best of college basketball. It's more than just a game. Join the action at T-Mobile Center on November 22nd and 23rd as Creighton, Boston College, Colorado State, and Loyola battle in one of the nation's top early season tournaments at the Hall of Fame Classic. T-Mobile Center will be rocking as the Hall of Fame Classic semifinals pits Creighton versus Loyola and Boston College versus Colorado State. Follow by the consolation and championship games the next day. Four big-time programs from four big-time basketball conferences, all competing on the same floor. History, tradition, and high-level action in the heart of Kansas City. This is college basketball's biggest stage. Get your Hall of Fame Classic tickets now at hofclassic.com or at the T-Mobile Center box office. You don't want to miss this. Together. Thanks for listening to the KC Morning Show. Friday, November 24th is Black Friday. But companies don't want to wait until Black Friday to start Black Friday sales. So get ready for the early bird precursor beforehand. First arrival, not quite Black Friday, Black Friday sale. It's like Black Friday, only without the stampeding, the shoving, the pushing, and the stabbing. Save huge on everything you don't really need, but get caught up in the frenzy of old-fashioned greedy capitalism. The early bird precursor beforehand. First arrival, not quite Black Friday, Black Friday sale. Going on now. Quick, buy stuff. Everything's running smoothly. Yo, yo, yo! Yo! What is going on? My name's Hartzell, and this right here, it's your KC Kansas City. A happy Thursday to the KC Morning Hose on the show today. On the show today, Cole Robinson, the executive director for the Johnson County Democrats. He also is on city council in Prairie Village. We are going to be recapping the 2023 elections on the Kansas side. Missouri, we didn't have a ton in Kansas City. It was very important, though. We did end up extending that sales tax for our bus system. Big shout out to Sunrise KC for really bringing that one home. We did give away some public land to what I assume will be a strip mall. I don't love that. I don't love it, but it is what it is. But the Kansas side, ooh, it was hot, it was heavy, it was wild, and a whole lot of winning. That's what it was in Johnson County. So Cole's going to be here. We're going to talk about it. After that, a cold, hard beats, courtesy of the street beast himself. DJ Die Hard back on your KC Morning Show. Rate, review, subscribe, do that thing you do. Kansas City, back in your feeds tomorrow. It is a good day, a damn good day to be a Kansas Cityan. We'll see ya in the morning. Bye. A creed, a creed at the core of every American whose story is not yet written. Yes, we can. The Casey Morning Show.
for the first time on your KC Morning Show, recapping all that was Election Day 2023. On the Kansas side, Johnson County. He's the executive director of the Johnson County Democrats, also part of the city council in Ward 1, Prairie Village, Ward 1. Cole Robinson, my brother. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Hartzell. Super excited to be here. So before we talk about all these wins that y'all brought home, and we know that the best way to keep winning is to keep winning, I want to talk about the back end, I guess the front end, I guess the context. Let's talk about the context on the Kansas side in Johnson County. The stage was set. How'd you get there? Right. Yeah. I mean, probably a lot of folks maybe haven't been tuning in too much to Kansas politics, but what happened on Tuesday, no real other way to describe it except as a historic success in our local elections, at least from a partisan perspective, the elections are nonpartisan, but it was really unprecedented what we saw across the county. And I think it's important to understand that that was really an expression of a political trend that's been growing ever since the Brownback re-election in 2014 as governor of Kansas, and then in 2016 with the election of President Trump. Counties like Johnson County all across America, suburbs that are more affluent and more educated, are just totally rejecting the increasing extremism of the Republican Party. Really, since that 2016 cycle, every year we've been seeing incremental strides from a partisan perspective across all of our races. And this 2023 cycle, I think, was probably one of our most successful steps we've taken forward as a Democratic Party in Johnson County. I mean, your position, just to show the growth of where the party has come in Johnson County, your position did not exist like what, a year ago? Right. Yeah. I started at the beginning of the year. I think it's the only county party in Kansas that has a paid staff member. I was on the executive board since 2017 of our county party. It's all volunteer. I think it's just a natural evolution of the political scene on the Kansas side as we scale that we do need some centralized paid staff professionals to just help be kind of a, a central point of coordination and a clearinghouse for a lot of really important things that we're trying to do all at the same time. It's a big county, a lot of different races, especially at this local cycle. We had 92 affiliated Democrats running for office at the beginning of the year, which is just a mind-boggling number compared to where we were even half a decade ago. So the county party has really stepped up and tried to fill a lot of the gaps. And that's been an interesting challenge. It's taken a lot of work from a lot of people. But at the end of the day, I feel like we, we got it done on Tuesday. So it's all worth it. Well, all right then, boss man, since you are getting paid for the gig, I'm going to ask you some questions and some numbers involved with okay. this one. I'm going to put you on the spot. The demographic changes. I mean, Johnson County, even since I want to say COVID, but honestly, even before then, I think with the uh, election of Sharice Davids, and that was what, 2018? What have you seen? I'm sure you've got some empirical evidence as far as, you know, who was it that made it such a successful night over in Johnson County? Well, I think we were able to engage our party members much more than the Republican Party. I think we were able to recruit great candidates that ran amazing campaigns. They wanted to do it for the right reasons. A lot of times it's either volunteer or very low paying jobs, take up a lot of time and, and stress. Our candidates just were phenomenal and then worked really hard on their campaigns. So it's easier, makes the job a lot easier on our end when you're trying to bring different individuals to the voters and their highly qualified candidates with deep roots in their communities. That was the most successful thing. And I think just to also continuing to build on the most energized part of our electorate for sure is women, especially women under 60. We saw in 2022 in the August primary, there was also a, a constitutional question on the issue of abortion that was rejected resoundingly in Johnson County and across Kansas. And so the local level 
So far, we don't have local officials who make a lot of policy decisions based on abortion, but there is a large segment of our base that views that as a priority and, and a way to determine the shared values and vision of, of candidates. We worked really hard to, to continue engaging you know, the entire electorate, but specifically a lot of the women that showed up for the first time in 2022. Well, let's talk about some of those races, especially the ones that we're super, super proud of on the Johnson County side. Let's break some of these down. Absolutely. I think the biggest top of ticket, I mean, you always have to look at Overland Park City Council races. Those are kind of the jewels of at least municipal government in Johnson County. Overland Park is a third of the entire county. It's the second largest city in Kansas. And so for the first time in history, there will be a Democrat majority on that council, seven to five. The voting majority doesn't change. It was already a very moderate to left-leaning city, but now it definitely stilts younger and also more progressive. So that's very exciting. Moving to Olathe, we elected two Democrats to their governing body of seven. I think they're the first Democrats that have been there in more than a couple decades. So they can partner with a couple of moderates on council and they have a 4-3 majority. And I think kind of the biggest one, at least on the positive side, the biggest story is in Shawnee, which had really tilted to the right in 2021. They had a 7-1 conservative council that was not reflective of their actual electorate that voted for Governor Laura Kelly, Sherees Davids, Mike Kelly by double digits in 2022. So we really were able to correct that in 2023, recruit great candidates that ran great campaigns, and we swept all three of our council races. And then in their, in their mayoral race, the moderate Republican won over the right-wing candidate. So those are kind of the top, the top cities where we saw really large shifts. Any disappointments, any races that we got some work to do, but you're still hopeful. What's the takeaway? The silver lining, at least for conservatives and Republicans in Johnson County, is what happened in Prairie Village, where I serve, is we saw a really strong emergence of a slate of Republican candidates that were very well organized around the issue of housing and ran really well-organized, disciplined campaigns. and. Unfortunately, several of my colleagues on the governing body lost their races, and we're going to have a, a much more, I would say, politically balanced council. It was formerly 11 Democrat, one Republican council, and now it's going to be decidedly more mixed. Prairie Village has a, a history of very moderate governance and very balanced governance, so perhaps this is bringing Prairie Village back into line with its historical tradition. Uh, let me um, ask you, though. No, yeah. let, me, let, me, let me ask you, because we got to... <laughs> We do have to have a conversation about Prairie Village. In fact, that is one of the things I was hoping that you would bring up, especially when you bring up housing. You know, it's not quite the same kind of conversations that we're having, you know, in our KC tenants meetings, for example. Sure. It feels a lot like we don't want them here kind of vibes, mm -hmm. Cole, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it naturally does raise questions, especially as Johnson County becomes more and more progressive, or I guess maybe more left-leaning, maybe not as progressive as I'd like, but also, you know what, I'll take it. It does bring back memories of, you know, white flights. I want to go downtown to enjoy myself, but only arm's length of the community type thing. Like, I don't want to be bothered with seeing the homeless folks on the street. That makes me uncomfortable. I'd rather be at arm's length from that. And I know I'm talking in circles, and I know you probably can't even say all these things on public record, but <laughs> I do think we got to have a conversation about PV. Well, I mean, I've had a front row seat to all of this. We had a committee that met for a year before I was elected in 2021 that brought forth some housing recommendations for consideration to council. And those recommendations were passed unanimously by council to be moved on to city staff and our planning commission. The record states that that was for implementation, but it was for them to bring back policies that fit Prairie Village to then be voted on and discussed by council, a multi-month 
process, you know, public input, forums. And I guess for me, it was just a really a, a really unique lesson in how important it is to communicate to residents about what's happening in the local level of government. And if you don't have an effective way to communicate what is actually being done and considered at the local level of government, most people don't have a way to plug into what's happening in their local government. And so I feel like the narrative around what we were actually trying to do in Prairie Village, it was certainly hijacked and misconstrued for various reasons. I think our candidates, for sure, and even the city, we really struggled to communicate effectively to residents what our intentions actually were. And probably a lot of reasons for that. At the end of the day, I feel like we wanted to have a conversation about housing, not just our single family housing in Prairie Village, but all housing in Prairie Village. And we weren't really able to do that. It turned into a, a really contentious political football. And, you know, council really since folks kind of, you know, push back, we did back off some of the more controversial pieces of the recommendation. But ultimately, it does seem like the entire move to look at our housing policy has been paused. And then these election results, I'm sure, will bring in a new angle, some more voices on what should the priorities be around housing in Prairie Village for sure. Take a walk with me, Cole. Come on, hold okay. my hand. Let's okay. take a walk for a second. <laughs> you know, because it's one of the things they talk about when we have, you know, off-year elections or municipal elections. It's a low turnout election. We hear that all the time. And the numbers do back that up. But I also do like looking on the other side of that coin. When you get those folks on these off-year elections, you're going to get folks who are going to be active politically. Those are the folks that are going to be voting with you, you know, even if dog catcher is on the ballot, right? And so you've got folks who are fired up, maybe misguided, depends on who you talk to. But I do still feel like that is an opportunity. You know, how can we show folks material benefits in their life, even if those material benefits benefit folks who don't have anything to do with them, you know? So what are the opportunities for that outreach, especially Cole, we got we got 24 coming up, brother. So we got to, you know, <laughs> dot our I's, cross our T's, but also reach out a hand and say, join us as we continue to try to build a better world, right? I kind of wear these two hats. And so it can be difficult sometimes to speak in just one silo. I mean, on a Prairie Village front, first of all, I just think it really comes down to really communication and trust. And I think that was to some degree damaged over the past year, year and a half. I really do think if a majority of residents were fully understanding of the process that we were trying to undertake, they would have been much more supportive. But really, a lot of people were getting their information from a group of folks that I think use the issue to political advantage. And I, you know, that happens all the time in politics. I don't necessarily blame them for doing it, but I do think it just underscores how important it is for local government and especially local elected officials to be able to also communicate to the voters to the extent that they're willing to plug in to local elections. And then like you say, looking across the county, I think overall the electorate continues to trend really favorably for moderate center-left democratic politics, even in parts of the county closer to the urban core. Those areas are just very, very blue and democratic now. Really with the presidential cycle, you're just going to see a lot of that nationalized for a little bit. We're going to kind of take a break from these local politics and look at the state legislature and the presidency and the congressional seats. And I think it's just an exciting opportunity for a county like Johnson County that really is rejecting voter suppression, the election denialism, the anti-science COVID rhetoric that comes from the right. They see Democrats, the Democratic Party as the adults in the room, the folks that are going to continue building on the decades of success that we have at all levels of government in Johnson County. That's what we need to get back to. And that's where we need to stay. And we broadly did that last Tuesday and we'll continue to, I hope.
I know I didn't tell you yeah. that I was going to be having questions about your turf, but I really appreciate <laughs> you you being open and honest. You know, I live in Westside in downtown Kansas City, but listen, we are one big metropolitan area. And when Johnson County does well, when Prairie Village does well, the east side does well, downtown does well, hell, the suburbs, Blue Springs and Lee Summit, as we gear up, we are less than a year to go until the big one. Are there any races? Are there any candidates that have already filed that you think that we need to especially support? And by support, I don't mean you need to donate. I'm saying just maybe you need to tell your friends that, hey, it's game time. It's go time. You mentioned a little bit of the storylines that you're seeing Johnson County about to enter into. Mm-hmm. But even now, you got to know some things are going to be a thing. What do you think is going to be that thing? First and foremost, we need to reelect Sharice Davids to Congress because she's been doing a great job for us. And I think that's a race that I think anyone in the metro area understands its importance. The largest race we have in Kansas, we don't have a statewide race for Senate or governor or secretary of state. So that's really our biggest race in the region. I think having her there continues to protect all the progress we've made. If you're getting more into like legislative races where you look kind of some important flips, there's a Senate race in Senate District 10, which is mostly Shawnee. Currently, former weatherman Mike Thompson holds that seat. And he has been really in the middle of some of the worst extremism we've seen in Topeka. Yeah, you can't say this. That man's a nut. And uh, the the high (laughs) pressure system is surely gone to his head. And and that's the thing is that there are several really kind of ultra conservative legislators from Johnson County. And I think that's the biggest goal in, in 2024 is to really to really get folks that come out of our really moderate county to represent that moderate lane. And that might not make the Republican caucus in Topeka very happy, but we want to send a message that you cannot have extremist Republicans come out of this county anymore. The other big thing that I think folks might be more plugged into, we have a partisan sheriff and a partisan DA race coming up this year. So our sheriff in particular is very outspoken about his conservative values and how he believes in constitutional sheriffs that have more power than the president, you know, allegedly in their areas where they're constitutionally elected as a sheriff. So he's been getting more and more active in speeches and on social media, banging that drum. And because the races are partisan, which is just crazy to me, we have nonpartisan council races, but we have partisan sheriff and district attorney races. This is going to follow really the lines of the presidential race. And I'm sure you're going to see a lot of national rhetoric for positions that really, really shouldn't have it. And so it makes it all more important to, to win those races. Cole Robinson, the executive director of the Johnson County Democrats, also on the city council in Prairie Village, Ward 1. My brother, where can folks go to find you to get more involved? Maybe they want to join the stage, the microphone, the bully pulpits is yours, my brother. (laughs) We have already several hundred volunteers and we're going to need a lot more for the presidential cycle as we try to knock the door of every Democrat in Johnson County. It's about 100,000 doors we're looking to knock. So if you want to get more involved, either with door knocking, phone calls, writing posts, cards, you want to get connected to a campaign near you, jocodems.org, jocodems, D-E-M-S dot org is your one-stop shop to do all those things. If you want to just contribute and support us financially, you can do that there as well. So appreciate the plug. Y'all got any merch? <laughs> We're working on that. We're actually working on building a storefront. That's a, a winter project. There we go. We'll get you something, Hartzell. Listen, you give me some fly Joko Dems fits and listen, I will knock every door. <laughs> I know you will. Cause your opinion don't matter This maniac Is gonna step on whomever oh, yeah. 
morning show it's dj diehard here and i'm going in with some blazing indie vibes from my archives these are tunes i've never mixed together before and i'm just digging deep and we're going after it and if you enjoy these vibes as always check me out facebook.com slash dj diehard and soundcloud.com slash dj diehard let's be still i'll make you love me till my end of time Makes my soul a wine, make me a home. Make me complete, all in me. Slowly, but I'll be watching your every move. Know that I'll be holding on.
Thank you.